Okay, you guys, I think it's time for us to get started. Um, just a quick introduction. My name is Tammy Spake. This is my husband, Scotty Spake. Um, thanks. Our fan club is over here. <laughs> uh, we have been married for almost 21 years, and we've been in ministry for almost 22 years, if that tells you anything about how our marriage has gone. Um, we have worked with youth in college the entire time, um, but in the and they're in the midst of that. I also taught preschool for 15 years, and we have four children of our own. So that's our uh, level of expertise, if you're wondering. Um, we have an 18-year-old named Hazel, and we have a 17-year-old named Hannah, and we just recently acquired legal rights, like two weeks ago, for a boy who has just turned 14 and a boy who is 12. And... Um, I know y'all are wanting to do it all. Oh, aren't they beautiful? Uh, yeah, the redheads that look just like Scotty, those are the ones that were not biological. <laughs> that tells you all that. So, um, so yeah, a funny story. When we decided to foster and adopt, um, our girls met with the social worker without us in the room, and the social worker asked them, um, what kind of baby are you looking for, you know? And they said, a black or a Mexican one. <laughs> They were not interested in white babies, and then we got these two kids who look exactly like us. So, uh, God has a sense of humor. Uh, so the title of the class is um, How to Raise Perfect Children. Now, a disclaimer on that is it's not how to be perfect parents. We don't claim that at all, but we do have pretty awesome kids, and we're going to kind of share that with you as we go. Um, I'm planning to write a book. My husband is hassling me about this, but I will not publish until Levi turns 18. I don't want to jinx myself because I want to title it How to Raise Perfect Children. <laughs> Wait, so they stop becoming your children at 18, right? Uh, well, at least it's not my responsibility anymore. <laughs> I feel like I've done my job at that point. But no, I have an 18-year-old that has not left uh, my side yet, so <laughs> we'll see about that. Um, I've asked Scotty to lead a prayer just to get us started. Let's go to God in prayer. Holy Father, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for life. Thank you for giving us a night's rest and opening our, our eyes to another day, God. Uh, we thank you so much for this time together. I pray that you'll open our hearts and minds as we uh, uh, just ask your Holy Spirit to guide our talk today. Uh, Father, help us to share our successes, our mess-ups, and uh, uh, all the lessons we've learned. And I just pray that you bless each person in this room, each parent in the room, uh, their kids. Uh, the children in their ministries, those who may be planning to have children in the future. Uh, I pray, Father, that you just bless our time together. Help us to be formed each day more in the image of your Son, Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, so if you're here to find out how the Holy Spirit works, you're probably in the wrong class. I, I'm not really an expert on that guy. I just know um, for our in our family, like I said, we have awesome kids. Hazel and Hannah are they're just amazing really and um, we're so proud of who they are but people kept asking us how did you do this what did you do what made your kids so awesome and we were really, I, I don't know so we decided to kind of be um, intentional about trying to figure that out so I started trying to think about what have we done along the way that helped our girls especially um, turn out so amazing so um, I just started writing stuff down. So you guys are going to get a first look at the 21 things that I've come up with that we've done. 
And some of these things um, you're going to be like, yes. And some of these things you're going to be like, what? And um, so you just you just take that um, into into add a little bit of grace to it as I as I speak. Now um, Scotty and I are doing this together, but obviously I'm the big talker in the family. Um, so we've kind of split it up a little bit. And then at the end, I'll probably have to talk really fast to finish what I want to say. So um, he'll be dismissed from his duties, and he'll be um, reciting over there, judging me for what I'm, for what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so as I started thinking about this, um, I, I realized that we don't really have any great wisdom. We don't have PhDs in parenting. We, don't, we haven't studied um, great lengths about what to do as parents. But what I figured out is... Um, the things that we have done, the rules that we've made, the guidelines we've given our kids, what it's done is actually freed up them a lot of space to grow and mature spiritually. All right, so our genius parenting entails taking some stuff off of our kids so that they have the time and energy and focus to um, look at things that are more important. And you'll understand what I'm saying as we get into the actual guidelines. All right, here's disclaimer number one. I fully believe that the Holy Spirit has guided our parenting. I'm also very opinionated, and uh, sometimes those two things can get confused. So understand what I'm saying there. I, I do believe the Holy Spirit is guiding me, but also I'm pretty sure about the things that I think inside of me. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. Um, we have awesome children. We have helped with raising many kids through our ministries, but we are not academically trained. We love children, we know some stuff, and we want to share it. That's, that's what this class is about. Disclaimer number two. While we have experienced several special circumstances because of our fostering and in our ministry, we do not have training with special needs kids. So um, we know that many of the things I'm gonna, we're going to share with you today may not apply to kids like an autism spectrum or with special needs physically or mentally handicapped. So please just kind of take that into consideration as well. Um, however, some of these things will apply to any kid, I believe. The biggest thing that we want you to take away from our class today is let God guide you as he has us. Knowing this will look different for each and every one of us. Um, here's a list of our guidelines and ideas. Um, and Scotty's going to start with number one. I'm just glad I get to come up here and say something. <laughs> 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 I'm joking. My wife's wonderful. Um, now, just uh, my, my disclaimer, I'm a super tough macho guy, so just remember that when the crying starts in a little bit if I do that. And, uh, I have lots of good dad jokes, but my wife's told me I cannot share any of those, so uh, you'll see me later on that. Now, <laughs> the first guideline is um, three words, I love you. I thought of three other words, uh, bless your heart. Now, if someone says that, that does not necessarily mean that they love you. So just remember that. Uh, but tell your kids that you love them every single day. That's uh, so sad that a lot of kids never hear those three words, I love you. Um, got up this morning, texted my kids, told them I love them. Uh, I'm thankful I get to spend a lot of morning time with my children. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But every single day, tell the kids that you love them. Uh, make sure that they don't miss that, that there's no wondering about it. They know that they are loved 100% by their parents. Uh, this will build up their self-esteem, their confidence, um, and I believe it just makes them more empowered to do life, uh, to, to live out there, to go out there and know that they're loved and they have that, fight, that confidence to, that, that their parents love them. Uh, it's like you're just feeding their soul. It's like a, a flower needs sun. Uh, if it doesn't get enough sunlight, it just is not going to thrive. And so uh, every day, just make it a point to tell your children that you love them. 
Um, second thing is, and Tammy used to make fun of me all the time with this, is talk to them. I would talk to our three-year-old, Hazel. Uh, we would be out changing the oil in the car, and she would be there wanting to know what I was doing, and I would go through every step, and I'd tell her every little thing we were doing, just like she was going to be doing the next oil change. Little did Tammy know, I was really doing that, and I, just, I was like, okay, you can do the next one, baby. But uh, I would sit there and talk to him, and it's, it gave her a sense of value, that I valued her, uh, that, that I was, she was important enough for me to slow down because it would have been easy to be like, go, uh, you know, go away, I've got to change the oil, leave me alone. But when you spend time and take time to talk to them and tell them, uh, it, it just adds value to their life. Number two, have more children. I'm not joking on this. We had Hazel when Scotty was 36 and I was 27. And I know we look way too young for that. Um, but she was perfect. We were so happy. And we loved her so much. In fact, Scotty was apprehensive about having another child because he didn't think he could love another child as much as he loved Hazel. However, I grew up with siblings, and I knew that she needed siblings. And so I convinced him, and we soon had Hannah. Um, the beauty of this is that Hazel, the lovely child she was, she became even more lovely with the addition of Hannah into her life. She has dedicated every day since then to her little sister. They have the most ridiculous relationship you have ever imagined. And I brought an example of that. And here's another thing for you to just put in the back of your head. When they turned 16, I'm not kidding, the Holy Spirit told me to um, make them a book for their 16th birthday of letters from everybody that they know telling them how special they were. And this was like brilliant. <laughs> it's great. I wish I, I wish I could claim, you know, that it was my idea, but it wasn't. Um, so in their, in their books, they, they wrote each other letters, and I, I, brought, um, I texted them and I said, pick out the favorite thing that your sister wrote to you in your book and um, text it to me. Okay, so this one is from Hazel to Hannah. Um, Most of all, I am proud to call you my best friend and sister. I love you more than anything or anyone else possibly could. When we were talking about heaven in class, all I was thinking was that if I had God and Hannah, I would be okay. When you're with me, I'm not scared or afraid. I am okay and relieved. I cannot imagine life without you because I wouldn't be me without you. I wouldn't know what to do because from the moment I met you, I have loved you. Um, that's, that's from my oldest to my second. And then this is um, the one that, <laughs> that Hannah wrote to Hazel. And that's the picture she drew in their, in their little, little book. Um, says, through the years of my life, I can't think of a time you weren't there for me when I needed you. I can't imagine life without you, and I'm so glad I'm not an only child. I like that one because it's kind of a dig on my husband. This is the picture of um, the letter that um, Hannah wrote for Hazel. Hannah's the creative one, so she made it into this little crazy folded thing that you have to made it complicated for. Him. Anyway. Um, so that's the story of Hazel and Hannah and their relationship, right? It's ridiculous. Um, when we decided to adopt, the girls were 100% on board. They were ready to go. They wanted that baby black or Mexican boy. And, um, but when we got them, we let the girls decide if we were going to take these two little boys because that would mean our house was full. So we kind of let them be a part of the decision making. And they were two and four. They weren't a little cute little baby. 
And um, so we let them kind of decide about the fostering. They said, bring them on, so we got them. Well, from the minute they got there, Hazel and Hannah now had two brothers. It wasn't foster brothers. It wasn't anything like that. They loved them. Um, they became more and more wonderful people, my girls did, as they helped us love on these boys. And they were a huge help. Hazel bathed the boys every night for me. It was great. Um, we are convinced that what makes our girls the people they are becoming is knowing what it means to sacrifice for someone that they love. Learning how to love children who needed a home, our home. They gave up having their own room. They shared their parents, their grandparents, their aunts and uncles, and most importantly, their cousins. Um, I know that they will take these lessons with them for the rest of their lives. They will teach others simply by living this out. And um, I, I just want to challenge all of you. This is a different class for a different time, but um, as Christians, I feel like we are all called to get involved with fostering and adopting. And um, I just want to challenge you guys. James 1.27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless. Do you know what that says? Take care of widows and orphans. And there are so many children who are stuck in a bad situation that um, just need a place. And so I just want to encourage all of you to... Um, if you, and I know everyone can't you know, take in 10 kids in home, that's okay, but um, you, can, you can offer respite for a foster family or you can pay for a meal for a foster family. Trust me, there were lots of people who helped us out when we were fostering and we needed every bit of it. And it was an encouragement to us. So do something there. Okay, okay. number three, let them be kids. Don't rush it. I don't know uh, how many of you have eaten in the buffet, but I thought about it like this. Like, you know, you're in the buffet and you're trying to get something to eat and you feel that person just kind of pushing you on in the back. And not necessarily that they're really pushing you, but you feel that way. And it's like that if you rush kids. You know, if you rush through the buffet, you, you end up not getting all that you wanted and you regret it when you sit down. So um, don't rush the kids into to growing up by allowing them to mature at a rate that is healthy. Uh, you will enable them to always have the gift of childish joy. Uh, don't let them miss the fun of being a kid. Uh, we spend so much time trying to push everybody to be a grown-up and adult and act your age and all that. And there's probably not a one of us in this room that wouldn't try to be, back, be, a, be a kid for a day and enjoy that. Uh, there's going to be plenty of time for them to be an adult. But uh, I think it's awesome that we let them uh, grow and don't push them up too fast to grow up. Um, let them play, play with them, and have fun with them. Mm -hmm. Number four, if you are married, stay married. Y'all, marriage is hard. <laughs> Um, but divorce is harder. And um, of course, speaking from my own experiences, my parents, who are both great people, they're great parents, they're great grandparents, um, but the divorce when I was 10 has affected every relationship I've had since then. And um, trust me, we've had our bad times. Scotty loves to say that we've been married for 15 blissful years. <laughs> the other five weren't so great. Um, and that's true, we've had some rough patches. I just want to encourage you to um, know that it's worth it. Get some help. Find a counselor. Find some other resources that will help you out. But um, your children will, will be blessed if you can stick it out. Number five. This is one I've been excited about talking about. Um, buy a trampoline and or a swimming pool or build a treehouse, set up a soccer goal are all the above and uh, we have all the above we had we got a trampoline when hazel was two years old i think my wife thought i was crazy 
but uh, I cannot tell you how many hours we spent on the trampoline together. And we came up with this uh, game called Booger Ball. And you've got to, yeah, you got to play Booger Ball with your kids. Sorry. Um, but, you know, you, you just get on, the, you're sitting on the trampoline and the ball's in the middle. And if it touches you, that the Booger Ball got you and you're out. I mean, that was a game we made up. And we spent hours and hours playing Booger Ball. Uh, we've got it just, it's not a fancy pool, but it's a above ground pool in our backyard. And I built a three story tree house that's uh, a mansion. But anyway, yeah, I get that uh, a lot of times. Uh, but um, do whatever it takes to create opportunities to spend real time with your family. Take trips with your kids. When, the, when Hazel and Hannah were little bitty, uh, this sounds crazy, but I would put them in the stroller. We were at Troy State University at the time in Troy, Alabama. And on Saturday mornings, we would go on a walk through the, around the campus, and we would pick up beer cans from all the parties. And uh, we would throw trash away. So they learned to, to do something. And we spent time together, and it was just awesome. I and mean, we had talks on those trips that were just great. Uh, but take trips with your kids. Um, do educational adventures, uh, or just do adventures. Uh, a lot of times, Hannah and I would just put on a day pack and just go walking somewhere, and just uh, didn't have a plan. Sometimes we'd just stop and eat somewhere, or we'd walk down the trails, and uh, just had a great time together. Um, ask your kids what their favorite thing of the day was, and then just listen. Just be quiet and listen to it. Let them tell you what they enjoy. Uh, and it doesn't have to occur every night or every day, uh, but just do what you can. Again, I, I said earlier, breakfast is the time I've found that I get to spend with my kids a lot because I do campus ministry, and a lot of my activities are in the evenings with the college students. So I get up every morning uh, at 6 o'clock, get ready, and I cook breakfast for our kids, and I spend time with them, and we do a devotional before they go. And I pray for them every morning and make sure I tell them I love them because uh, I want to spend that time with them because a lot of times I miss it in the afternoons. Um, and then um, phones are not allowed at the dinner table. We try our best. Again, we do campus ministry, so it's hard in the evening sometimes, but we try to do family dinners. But when we're there at family dinners, there's no, no phones. Uh, we want to be uh, totally attentive to them. And, and I, I can tell you, and you, you already know this, but... When you're having a conversation with someone and they're looking down at their phone and looking up, looking at you know that they're not focused on you. And so that time we want our kids to know that we're focused on them. Um, just spend time with your kids, uh, just real actual time. Make sure they know that they're that important that you'll take time to spend with them. Number six, be active in a church. Now, this is likely unnecessary in this group. Um, most of us are at the least active in our churches and um, maybe even on staff. So um, I know that this is kind of not news to you guys, but I recently had an experience with a friend of mine from soccer. They are not in church. Um, he was telling me about his daughter and how the struggles that she has had. Now, I mean, she struggled a lot. She has had suicidal thoughts. She has had gender issues. She has um, just really had a tough time fitting in socially. And we were talking about it. Her and Hannah are the same age. And um, he said, he said, to me, Hannah has had a much easier time transitioning into high school because she had an established friend group at church. Now, Hannah's friend group at church is not her age. They're not all juniors in high school. She's very good friends with younger kids. She's very good friends with adults, with old people, with college students, with everything. But she has the confidence to where high school was no big deal for her. And so for him to see that in my kid made me so proud to know that Unknowingly, we had, we had set her up for that. And then I thought about it. 
you know, I had lots of struggles growing up, but in high school, I was not tempted to act a fool because I had friends from church that I knew were there for me. In that big old high school, they were there for me. So um, I was confident enough to avoid the temptations that hit teens, largely due to my strong ties with fellow Christian teens. Give your kids a place to feel wanted and needed. Um, like I said, this may not be with their own age group. Look for those relationships. Um, the biggest reason that we feel our kids are great is because we have always been around Christians who were a little bit older or a little bit younger than them. So when we were doing youth ministry, our kids were babies, but they had all these teenagers that were loving Jesus and wanting to be around them and, and filling in the gaps in their lives. And then now that we're in campus ministry, our kids have come up seeing college students who actually want to be you know, doing things for Jesus, want to be in that, um, that mindset. And so that has been huge for our kids. It's a, it's a very big part of our parenting genius has been putting them in the right places at the right times. Uh, number seven, create a place where mistakes can be made. Um, and I think this is so important. We mess up and kids mess up. Uh, but they need to know that they can mess up because I'm, if we don't allow them to mess up, then I think they don't try things. But, but if they know, hey, I can try this, and if I mess up, it's okay, it's good. we can recover from this, uh, then I think they're, they're more likely to go out and try things. Uh, allow yourself to blow it, uh, because we're going to. We're gonna mess up. And uh, I think for us, this was really important then to be able to tell your kids, hey, I'm sorry. I blew that. Uh, I, I didn't treat you right. Or I spoke to you wrong. Or uh, I shouldn't have acted that way. Uh, and there's been a lot of times I have to apologize to my kids and say, you know what, I did not set a good example for you and I'm sorry. So, so own it when you make a mistake also. Uh, give them room to also learn to make the mistake and own it for themselves. Uh, one of the things that we try to teach our kids is not to make, uh, not make excuses. If you mess up, just own it. Uh, we can work through it. And I tell, I tell our boys over and over, because we're working with that with them, I said, you know, just tell me what happened and tell me the truth and we will get through it together. Uh, good, bad, and the ugly, I'll be there beside you. And I said, we will love you through it all and we'll, we will make it through it together. So just uh, own up to those things. Um, and expect them to give their best, but also love them at their worst. And I think that's what all of us want when we mess up too, so. Number eight, activities. Don't be psycho. Um, don't frame your whole family around one kid's sport or activity. Um, even church can become overpowering in your family life. But when soccer or baseball are taking priority over family and God time, kids will learn the lesson that God comes last, family comes last, baseball comes first. And so um, don't, don't be that guy. Um, teach them, and it has to be by example, um, that, that God and his, his things come first. Um, our girls have had several opportunities to play soccer on Sundays. They have always made the decision that they would need to spend time in worship before they could play soccer on a Sunday. And so um, once, one time we had a tournament in town. So it wasn't good enough for us to have family church. Um, we were in our town. We needed to be that, that family that you know, went to church. So Hannah, this was Hannah's decision, decided that she would go to church at an early service in our town before she could go play in the championship game of a tournament. She missed the first half of the game. But when she ran out there after halftime, you've never seen a child filled with joy like she was. She knew she had done right. And that was her decision. The beauty of it is 
that we had done stuff before that to set that up. We didn't even have to make that decision for her at that point. The foundation had already been set. Now let me add, I love soccer, okay? I am not dogging on sports. We are so thankful for the experiences and the relationships that we have made through soccer. And now my um, Hannah is on the swim team in high school. Uh, Levi plays soccer. Um, please don't, don't get me wrong on that. We love sports. Um, but what I've discovered is that, I discovered this in college, sometimes sports can challenge the Christian side of our character. And uh, so let's keep our attitudes Christ-like and our priorities in check and model for our children a healthy love of sports. Brian, you and I never had that struggle, did we? <laughs> Number nine. All right, I know this one may not be the most uh, exciting, but be the parents. Um, I, I remember one, one of my prayers over and over and over when I found out we were pregnant with Hazel was, God, please let me be a good parent. Don't let me blow that. Let me do a good job with that. But we, I think we do need to be the parents. Uh, there's a lot of influence on children today. Uh, friends, peers, teachers, coaches, social media, cultural norms, movies, music, church, clubs, and of course us. And um, I just want to remind us all not to waste the enormous gift of the positions that we have as parents in their lives. Uh, because I, I believe that is just one of the greatest gifts that God gives us is to have children and be their parents. Um, you're not their friend. And I don't mean that in the bad way. I know you have friend things, but you're not their friend, you're not their peer, you're their parent. And, and they need you to be their parents. Uh, they have friends, they have peers, they have coaches, but they only have a one, you as their parent. And so I think it's important that we be the parent. Uh, be the best parent that you can be. Give your child the stability and, and the foundation and the accountability they need to be a healthy human adult some, someday. Uh, and this means that you're likely going to have to say no at times. I usually try to let Tammy do that. Yes, you know. and, uh, <laughs> I like being the good guy. Um, and uh, you even have, may be called mean at sometimes. And, uh, and, and I like for her to be the one to be the mean one too. So uh, that helps out. Uh, but their future depends on us as parents equipping them to be adults. So. Number 10, unplug. When we were new parents and Hannah had just been born, we cut off our cable TV. Now this was not done to be more holy. It wasn't even a parenting decision. Mostly I was sick of my husband watching dumb movies all night. That's the truth. <laughs> um, but it turned out to be a wonderful parenting, marriage, Christian, and happiness decision. We were without cable for 15 years. Well, we were without anything for 15 years. Now we did watch movies. Don't, don't panic. We did go somewhere else to watch Alabama and Georgia football games. Roll Tide. But um, any television that we watched was done with a conscious decision. We stopped wasting hours a day watching mindless TV, no bad depressing shows, no commercials pushing self or materialism or sex, no horrible movies, best decision ever. Our children grew up in a free zone from all of that. Um, now we've added Netflix, so you know we, we do get to see some TV, but we're still not, we're still not pushing those commercials into our kids' heads. They're still, we're still very particular and very, um, specific about what they can and cannot watch. So that's been a great decision for us. Um, telephones. Uh, we, the, the telephone decision is horrible as a parent. Is that not the worst? 
Um, we put it off until our girls turned 17. So for their 17th birthday, they each got a phone. Uh, now they weren't driving yet, so that may add a different dynamic if our boys are getting their license earlier than the girls. Um, that's just the number we picked. I put it off as long as possible, to be honest. Um, we don't have research to show that that's the right time or anything. <laughs> but we do have a decision, and this is something my parents have for me. Um, at 10 o'clock at night, those phones are away from our kids. They're cut off and they're put away from them. I don't want it to be connected to their heads at night while they're sleeping. Um, also, we have access to their phones, of course. Anytime we want to look at them, we can look at them because even great kids need accountability. Even great adults need accountability. Okay, number 11, rules. We have lots of rules in our house. Um, this is a very subjective category. The bottom line is kids need rules. They need to know where those lines are. So have rules. Yours um, may or may not be ours. And by ours, I mean mine because, like mm -hmm. I said, Scotty's the easy one in the fam. Uh, number one, no boyfriend or girlfriend. This is a big soapbox item of mine. Um, long ago, I realized how much pressure it puts on a child when parents think it's cute for them to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Everywhere I went growing up, people wanted to know if I had a boyfriend. And it, it was so dumb. Like, that is not what I needed to be focusing on at, you know, 12 years old or 14 years old or 16 years old. So I, my big thing is they were not allowed. You're not allowed to have a boyfriend or girlfriend. And, I mean, that went all the way through high school, y'all. <laughs> Our girls have not dated anyone. How beautiful is that? Um, so just, it worked. I, I didn't know if it would work or not. It was just something that we thought of. Um, but it's been a beautiful thing because they have not had that stress on them trying to navigate the teenage years while also worried about who am I going to date? Do I have a boyfriend? Do I have this? They haven't had to worry about that. Okay. Um, I make it a rule and I tell everybody I know and care about, don't ask a child if they have a girlfriend or a boyfriend. That's just me. Um, no makeup now. I know. Um, my reasons is I explained to Hazel when she finally asked me at 16. Um, it's expensive, it's time consuming, it hides the real you, it takes the focus off of other things and puts it on your outward appearance. <coughs> Mostly, I just didn't want to deal with it. As you can tell, I'm no expert on makeup, so this was an easy one for me to enforce. <laughs> um, but um, that's just one of my rules. Now, uh, number three was no spending the night with people I don't know. I didn't care if everybody in the class was going to a slumber party. If I don't know them, well, you're not going there. And number four, say yes ma'am, no ma'am, yes sir, no sir to any adult. Now, part B of the rules section is don't be afraid of being weird, okay? I had a friend, I was kind of previewing this lesson with her, and she was like, you might not want to tell them about the makeup, and, um, or they might not listen to what else you have to say. So I, I was like, okay, you're right. That is kind of weird. But I want you to realize that people are going to think you're weird no matter what. So you make your decisions and learn that lesson. Um, each of us must decide what's important to us as parents. Now, I'm not saying that makeup or dating or spend the night parties are bad or unchristlike or anything else. That's just what we decided. Now, I'm sure there's some great parents in the Amish people. I think their rules are weird, right? But that doesn't mean that they're not great parents. So I'm sure you guys and other people may think my rules are weird. That's okay. I'm okay with that. My job is to raise my kids. So I cannot try to be like everyone else because I'm not raising everyone else's kids. And they're not <coughs> raising mine. Okay, number 12, um, put your own selfish, selfishness in its place. Um, these kids are a gift from God, and we don't ever want to treat them like they're an inconvenience. 
uh, because they know that also. Uh, there's many times as parents we've let our kids have the last piece of cake uh, or, or whatever else it is that we might have. Um, we want them to know that they're not an inconvenience in any way to us. Uh, and I know I, that seems like common sense maybe to a lot of people or a lot of times, but um, it's not always the case. Uh, there's a lot of children who play sports or participate in band that are great performers or do some amazing things and their parents just never take the time to go and be there with them. And I know, I understand a lot of times parents can't, a lot of times there's work or there's other things that they can't be there, but the children know the difference too. Uh, we try our best to be at everything we can at our, our children's events, uh, but when we can't be there, they know there's a reason why. It's not just because they're not important enough for us to be there. So uh, getting rid of our selfishness so that they know that they're they are important in love. Um, be committed to your kids. Uh, and uh, we're learning that, that your time with them uh, is so short. It goes by so quick. I can't believe my uh, little Hazel is 18 years old. You know, it's amazing that she's in college at SFA and I get to see her. She's part of our ministry. She was just elected as president of our Yellow House campus ministry, so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, but also, there's a picture in our bedroom, and uh, my dad has had an old 66 Chevy truck that he gave me, and there's a picture of me washing it and there's a picture of Hazel at two years old and she's got this determined look and she's washing the truck with me. And I see that every day and then I look at her now and I think how quick it goes by. So just remember how fast it, they grow up. Okay, number 13, this is kind of a tough one. No fighting. We have never allowed our children to fight each other. Um, now, this had to be the Holy Spirit because this is not how I was raised. I have three siblings and we had knocked down drag outs all the time. And that wasn't even talking about the arguing. That was physical fighting. So um, it was easier before we got the boys. I was going to say. That. It was. It was. Um, the girls were easy. They, I mean, I can, they may have hit each other once, honestly. Now the boys came in, a different story. You're right. But our rule stands the same. You don't hit. You don't cut each other down. You don't argue for no reason. If you do, there's consequences. And like I said, it was much easier before the boys came on. We've had to do a lot more of, um, you know, discipline since the boys came into our lives. Um, however, um, now, now let me back up. They tease each other. They, there's wrestling matches. There's water fights. You know, there we we have some stuff going on. But they are, we are clear about um, treating each other with respect and kindness. We are in a unique position because our boys have lost a brother to cancer. And so they, they know what it's like to lose a sibling. And our girls kind of went through that with them. So all of them are aware of the importance of their siblings. And so that kind of gives us a little bit of a, a backup on how you should treat each other. Um, like I said, this is not how I grew up. But y'all, I also know how much more peaceful our home is than the one I grew up in. And that's what I wish for you guys. Um, for all of our friends and family, that piece. Number 14, service. We have talked about it a little bit, but we want our family to be a family of service. We serve each other, we serve others. So far, our youngest has not caught on to this concept yet, but we're working on him. Um, his love language is serve me. <laughs> he really likes it when you serve him. Um, so we look for extraordinary opportunities as well as everyday ones. Some things we have found, taking communion to the elderly, service projects with our church or other organizations in town, helping with children's church, etc. 
Um, some extraordinary opportunities we've had are overseas mission trips. Um, we each take a mission trip overseas, Scotty to Haiti and I to go to Antigua, and we take our, our children. Um, the boys are scheduled, William is scheduled for next year, so y'all pray for me. Um, we've also been able to muck out houses after flooding in Beaumont. We have been, um, we ran a, a hurricane relief shelter at our church. So those opportunities are all around to help people and therefore model the golden rule. Take advantage of those. Number 15, model good behaviors and avoid bad behaviors. This is the hardest thing for me. Um, the most effective parenting guideline is providing an example of what you want your kids to become. Sometimes we miss this. There are times when I've modeled laziness and been surprised when my kids act lazy. The toughest ones for me are gossip, laziness, road rage, and selfishness. Confession time. Knowing that my kids are watching me helps me to keep these things under control. However, it is a constant struggle. I hope and pray that they also see us model a love for God, His Word, and His people. All people. As well as honesty and patience and love. These are the things I hope that we are passing on to our kids. Number 16, expectations. It is important to be very clear with your expectations. Expect greatness from your kids. Expect them to do their best. Let them know that this is what you're wanting. This can be very different for each child. For Hazel, making a C in a class is cause for celebration. For Hannah, making a 93, we're a little disappointed. And that's the truth. Um, same thing for our boys. William has photographic memory. He does very well in school. Levi's dyslexic and has trouble reading, so he struggles. So we have, we have to just monitor how they are. And what we do is we celebrate them doing their best, whatever that is. That's what we want from them. Um, now, Expectations, again back to the sports and extracurricular activities, expectations are different for our kids in those areas. We're not monitoring how many goals they score. That's not what we're about, or medals that they win. What we want is for them to do their best. And then we have some other things. We expect them to show respect for authorities, and this includes referees and coaches. We expect them to listen to the instruction of their coach or teacher. Scotty's coaching Levi's soccer team right now, so he's especially appreciative of that rule. Um, we expect them to contribute to their team. We expect them to not be lazy or have a bad attitude. And they know these expectations, and they know that there are consequences for not meeting them. Uh, so any goals that they score or medals that they win, that's a bonus. Number 17, discipline. Of course, this is not a black and white issue. You guys all have your own forms of discipline, and I'm just going to share a couple of the things that we've used. Um, again, each child responds to different discipline. So you, you have to figure out what that is. Um, spanking, that was my, my form of discipline. That's what I appreciated the most because that's how I was disciplined, and it worked for me. <laughs> so when we had kids, that was, that was the, the go-to. Well, spanking did not work for Hazel. Didn't bother her. But you tell her you're disappointed in her, woo. Now Hannah, just, the, just knowing that a spanking was out there somewhere would make her behave the way you wanted her to behave. You didn't even have to spank her. That's how it helped sensitive she was to it. We rarely had to spank our girls, to be honest. Um, however, when we became foster parents, these two crazy boys came into our life and we could not legally spank them. So we had to find other ways of discipline. And y'all, I, I remember sitting in a parking lot crying one day because I couldn't force my two-year-old to get in his car seat. I know what to do. So I called my social worker up and I'm like, you got to help me here. I, don't, I can't do this. And she said, I kid you not, she said, 
I'm going to send you a video called One, Two, Three, Magic. It's about timeout. And I was like, bad words, bad words, bad words. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this is what you're giving me. So I was desperate enough to actually try it. So I watched the video. And y'all need to write that down. One, two, three, magic. It is ridiculous, OK? Um, I watched the video. I tried it on the boys. And it worked like magic, y'all. It really did. So. Um, before that, I thought timeouts were lame. Mm -hmm. After that, I was like, all right, we can do this. And I've used it on all the kids. All I got to do is count to one, two, and we're done. We're over it. It's, per it's wonderful. Uh, use it if you need something like that. Um, no matter what you choose in the way of healthy discipline, make sure that you're consistent and loving in your delivery. Discipline should always reassure your child of your love and never make them doubt or question it. The way to accomplish this is consistency. It is tough, you guys, but you have to be consistent. Do what you say you're going to do. Say what you're going to do. Be the stable force in your kids' lives. Provide them with healthy consequences for behavior that they're learning how to control. And I love the way that sounds. They're learning. You're not punishing them for a crime. You're guiding them in their learning journey. Okay, number 18, health. I'm going to have to start talking really fast now. Um, it is our responsibility as parents to help our kids be healthy. This encompasses many different areas. We are passionate about four. Nutrition, exercise, rest, and spiritual health. Nutrition. Um, my husband has struggled with uh, weight gain and weight loss all his life, so when we started having kids, we knew that this was something we wanted to help them, guide them on healthy issues, healthy choices. So we have implemented AdvoCare products. This is not a commercial, but I will tell you that we found some nutritional supplements that we trust. They're, um, safe and effective for our family, and that has helped our family make those good choices. So I do suggest that you do some research and find something that will work for your family. We don't have the time or energy or money to do all organic and all, you know, um, whatever it is we need to be doing, gluten-free, whatever. We just, I don't have that in me, okay? So I have found something that kind of helps fill in those gaps for us. Um, we also stopped doing some things that we were doing. We, we don't have uh, Cokes or chips in our house any longer. We don't um, have dessert with every meal. That's just not our, our um, habits. Um, exercise. Like I said, soccer has been the go-to exercise for our family. Scotty and I both played in adult league. All of our children played. Um, we also do bike riding, walking, running, swimming, just moving in general. Lifestyle of movement can help your kids grow up healthy and well-adjusted. Rest. I think this is the most neglected area of our health. And what I'm seeing in our college students is they're just so messed up when it comes to rest. And so what we're trying to do is establish habits in our children at a young age so they can carry those into an adult life. Um, healthy um, rest habits will help you overall be so much more healthy. Um, there's lots of statistics of why and how much children need rest, but I think the best reason to rest is that God saw a need to rest. And if he needed rest, then our children probably do too. Spiritual health. Um, our spiritual health is not going to develop with once a week attendance at church. Do not leave the spiritual development of your children up to your youth minister or your preacher. This is a great responsibility and opportunity for parents. Now, I will say that spending lots of time in Bible reading and praying with our children was much easier when there was one. It gets harder with each edition, trust me. Um, but, um, like Scotty said, he takes opportunities in the morning to share um, a scripture with the kids or pray with them. 
Um, we pray before every trip, and we take a lot of trips. We pray as a family in the car. We pray before meals. Our children uh, see and hear us reading scripture, listening to, um, you know, audio Bible. Just we're trying so hard to model those things because we we don't have two hours every night to sit down and you know have a long discussion and prayer and all that with each kid. So we try to fill in those things wherever we can find time to do to do so. Um, we discuss sermons after church. Uh, we ask about their classes that they're going to at church. Um, they know that at any point on any day, God and his children are a priority in our lives. If we have to stop what we're doing and go take care of someone else, we're trying to model for them that people are important. And so those are the things that we try to do. We try to always put others' needs ahead of our wants. Chores. This was a challenge for us. First of all, I'm housekeeping challenged myself. <laughs> Secondly, we are so busy all the time. Third, with six people in our house, things get out of control pretty quickly. Um, so we finally created, we tried several, but we've created a chore chart that works for our family. And um, I highly suggest you do this. And what worked for us was rotating because the same person didn't want to clean the toilets every day, so we rotate. So each, um, they go through each day and do different things. So um, what this does, um, they need to learn how to do things. Do not send your children to college not knowing how to wash clothes or fix a meal or change a tire, okay? We deal with these kids all the time who don't know how to do anything. And you're not doing them any favors by sending them off that way. Teach them how to do things. Um, equip, equip your child to be able to survive. In addition to learning how to do things, your child also needs to be a contributing member of the family. This lets them know that they're important um, to the general function of your home. Uh, they are needed. And I know it's not fun, and it actually is kind of a hassle sometimes to have to stay on them about doing their chores. It's not great. But in the long run, it will pay off, and your kids will um, be more uh, well-rounded <coughs> adults because you do them. Ministry. I told you earlier, our entire, our entire marriage has been involved in full-time ministry. This is a blessing and a challenge, and um, especially when it comes to parenting. So last week, I was at a conference last week in Atlanta, Georgia, away from my family. Yeah, you, you're hearing me right. Um, and a friend of mine who has been involved in ministry her whole life, I was like, okay, this is great. Tell me what's the best thing you've done with parenting. And this was her answer. We have made a place for our children in our ministry. At least while they are living in our home, they are as called as we are. That hit me really hard. That is, that's such a great explanation. By doing this, they're able to allow ministry to be a family affair, and the byproduct of this is what you avoid. Your children don't feel as if ministry, everybody in the world, is competition for your attention. So they're in it with you. They won't resent the role that the church plays in the life of your family. This is a danger for anyone involved in any kind of service-oriented professions. But if you're a fireman, they're not going to resent God for the time that you're away from their family. But if you're a minister, it's a real delicate situation, and they can start to resent God or the church because of that. Um, number 21. Well, I'm going to make it. All right. Um, listen to the guidance of the Spirit. Some of you would call this instinct. Uh, gut feelings, I don't care what you call it, just act on it. I have many examples of both sides of this, where we did and where we didn't. But I would like to share two. When Hazel was about eight years old, she had a friend named Shanna who lived in a really rough area. Um, 
we loved her and we loved her family, but I felt real anxious about her going over to their apartment. I let myself be pulled into not wanting to hurt feelings and not wanting to do anything crazy. So I let um, Hazel spend one hour. I said, I'll be back in an hour. During that hour, there was an altercation at the apartment that my daughter witnessed. And no, it didn't hurt her, but it was definitely not what I wanted my eight-year-old to see. And so I realized I should have trusted what I thought in my heart was, was right. I regretted not doing that. So I learned my lesson. Or did I? I thought I did. Um, fast forward to last year. Um, we've lived in our house for 13, 14 years now. We have the most awesome neighbors across the street from us. We love them. We considered them family. They were great with our girls, and then when our boys came along, they really took um, an interest in them and kind of became our boys' uh, playground. They would go over there and hang out with them, play with them, watch movies, whatever. Uh, so about a year ago, um, there was an instance where we grounded the boys from going over to the neighbor's house because that was really their only thing they did for fun. So they had acted ugly and we grounded them from going over there. Um, later we decided that was a bad move. It wasn't really fair of us to do that. So we, we decided we wouldn't do that again and we apologized to our neighbors for doing so. But our uh, relationship had been damaged. Um, so, mu so much more so than we had been aware of. So we continued to allow the neighbors to have time and influence with our boys. And during this time, we are in a legal battle trying to get custody of the boys. And um, so we've hired a lawyer. We're paying thousands of dollars to this lawyer to try to get uh, custody of the boys that we've actually been raising full time for a year and a half at this point. Um, so they wanted to go over to the neighbors more and more. And as time went on, um, I started feeling sick in my stomach every time they would go over there. But I couldn't, I had no reason to not let them. And so I, I just kept letting them. Um, but I should have acted on those feelings because we soon realized that the neighbors were poisoning our boys' minds toward us. They were taking things that happened and twisting them around to make me a bad mom. The whole time we were confused about why our boys, who have been good all this time, are suddenly being horrible and disrespectful and ugly to me specifically. Um, they went as far as contacting the boys' biological family and telling them that I was abusing them. They were allowing me to come over to their house and tell them where we were in our legal battle and then feeding that information to the boys' mom, also turning her against us. Well, me. Scotty was great. It was all me. <laughs> so they eventually um, met with our judge, which, yeah, is illegal. Um, it made us furious, but ironically helped us tremendously because we got a new judge and he actually fast forwarded things like that. Uh, bottom line is we knew. We knew better. And we should have listened to the voice that was guiding us. We nearly lost William, our oldest son, because of the way he had been brainwashed. Thank God we are good now. He was able to slowly come back to us and we have salvaged our relationship with their mother as well. Even though we failed to listen at the time, God has brought us through. Bottom line is, I, I want you to not make the same mistakes we made. Even when you are afraid that you will offend someone, even if you have no solid reason for your decisions, do what you know you need to do. Allow God to guide you. Now I want to tell you um, real quick, I asked our children to tell us uh, what they thought we had done well raising them. This is what we got. 
Um, yes, there are three poops by Hazel's name. It's <laughs> 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 because when you tell Siri to text Hazel, it says, Hazel, smiling pile of poop, smiling. We thought that was fun, so I, I didn't change that, sorry. Um, anyway, she says, uh, y'all set expectations and boundaries for us and follow through with consequences if we broke those. Y'all are consistent in your rules and treat all four of us equally. Y'all do everything in y'all's power to make all of us happy and healthy, even when we might not have money. Y'all have taught us to be selfless and to share God's love with everyone. You taught me to be that person who sits with the loser or the loner. You taught me to see everyone equally and not to judge people. Y'all also taught me to be responsible, but at the same time, I know that if I mess up, y'all will be there to catch me and help me. Woo, praise God. That just, y'all, that's an awesome thing to have your kids say. Um, Hannah, the 17-year-old, she says, you surrounded us with people who love God. And then she said, but you also make sure that we know to go out and help those who don't. And then here's a little perspective from William. Provided us with all the things in life that we needed to be successful. Love you, Mom. And then Levi, my 12-year-old, doing our chores for us <laughs> and also providing things for him. So you see where we are on the whole process with, with, with all four of them. And then I just put some wonderful photos of how adorable they are. There's my girls. This was a reenactment of a photo that we took um, about 10 years before that. That's why we're all squished in there. And then um, I've, I've got my email address and my phone number. And I really, honestly, would love to hear from you guys. Um, number one, uh, things that you think were, were good about today that you think should be included in a book if I ever write one, or when I write one. And then number two, things that I left out that you think maybe should be included. Okay, so if you have an idea or a guideline that you think is important, um, please email that to me, um, text me, call me, um, and also, if there's anything you want to discuss or talk about, I love talking about kids and talking about raising kids and Jesus and all that stuff. So if there's anything, fostering and adopting, you guys, if you have anything you want to talk about that, I would love to talk to you about those things. Thank you guys so much for being here, especially the ones who know us. I appreciate y'all being here so much. We love you guys.